Today is February 10th, 2022. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan, and I want to talk about this week in boxing. Nothing in particular. I kind of want to, I kind of want to um, spitball here. Don't really have a format. Don't really have an exact topic. I just want to talk about what's going on because I feel like there's a lot of moving parts right now, and we're really gearing up for what should be a great year. I think the next couple of weeks is just buffer. I mean, there is some fights, but nothing super significant. We do have a Danny Jacobs fight. If anyone cares about that against Sean Ryder this weekend on his own, that's something I'm not too happy with. Um, not saying it's a horrible fight or anything like that. It's a decent matchup, but Danny Jacobs went from someone I would always watch. He became appointment television for me at one point, but now at this point of his career, and I'm not saying I blame him, but it just seems like he's just collecting some money, having a few more fights before he's ready to retire. Maybe he'll get one more big one, but I don't see the eagerness to fight the best like I did a few years back when he was in his prime. I don't see the ability that I used to see. I don't see the explosiveness that I used to see. I don't see the sense of urgency for his career or in the ring, put it that way. I don't see him forcing fights. The Gabe Rosado fight was a perfect example, a fight that I thought he lost and was particularly boring in. He didn't seem to go for it at any any point. He seemed to really play it safe, as if he knew, you know what, if I survive here, if I don't get hurt, if I just think the joint out, I'll get the decision, and that's what happened. So nothing I'm really interested in um, this weekend. But that doesn't mean it's not a big week for for boxing. We got the Canelo Alvarez news, which is, I'd say it's kind of vague because the initial report was Canelo Alvarez is close to signing the two-fight deal with DAZN. So it's like an announcement of an announcement. I don't really like those type of things. Tell me when it's happening. Tell me when it's fully agreed upon, tell me when the ink is dried on the contract, and then come with a report, Mike Coppinger of ESPN, yes, I'm talking about you, um, to put out a report saying they're close, and then Eddie Reynoso himself coming out and say, yeah, we're not really close with anything, Eddie Hearn was on video saying, yeah, nothing's really close, but when they report things like that, it makes me wonder, so let's say the report is true and they're close. Canelo Alvarez is close to making a two-fight deal with DAZN. And these two fights are one with 175-pound champion Dimitri Bivol. And the second would be a 168-pound fight against Triple G. Triple G would be moving up from 160 to 168, from middleweight to super middleweight. This is all assuming Canelo beats Bivol and that Triple G beats Murata which is a fight that was supposed to take place on New Year's, got pushed back because Japan's restrictions with travel didn't allow Triple G to get to Japan in time. So let's say that is true. The other options on the table were a Jamal Charlo fight. Excuse me, a Jamal Charlo fight. Jamal would be moving up from middleweight to super middleweight. I think that would be a massive event, massive fight. Um, really fun fight stylistically wise. And the other option would have been the Benavidez fight. So say he signed a two fight deal with PBC, which they said they were willing to do one fight per uh, contract. They're not going to lock you in to a multi-year contract. They did sign the Caleb Plant fight 
on its own. It was just a one-fight deal. And I think PBC is willing to do that again. But I believe the first one would have been the Charlo, the Charlo fight. I personally like that route a lot better. That route, to me, is the exciting route. That is a little bit of danger involved in it. Jamal Charlo and David Benavidez are big punchers. They do bring that knockout potential. Not saying they would knock Canelo out. I'm saying they do have that type of power. The Artur Beterbiev, a massive puncher at 175. That's a dangerous fight. Those are the three fights that would really excite me. The Bivol fight doesn't excite me, but it is a good fight. Bivol is a very skilled fighter. Bivol has the type of style that I advocate for a lot. And saying that that style does give Canelo problems. The movers, the defensively sound guys, they tend to give Canelo a little bit more problems than brawlers and stuff like that. So to me, I'm not overly excited about it. But I do recognize it as a great fight. Excuse me, a good fight. I take that back. It's not a great fight. It's a very good fight. It is a high-quality opponent. It is a champion. He's undefeated. But I look at the guys he's fought. He has one fight that stands out, and that is the Joe Smith fight. That fight stands out. Great performance by Bivol in that fight. Other than that, I can't tell you a huge performance that I would hang my hat on. Charlo has many performances that he got up for. Most recently, the the Durvinchenko fight, which he completely outclassed and beat up Durvinchenko, a guy that was never outclassed by Triple G or Danny Jacobs in his two other defeats. That was really impressive. Um, Dimitri, excuse me, Arthur Beterbiev has that great matchup against Alexander Vosdick. That was an impressive performance. He's also a guy who's knocked out everyone he's been in the ring with. That in itself is very impressive. David Benavidez has the Gavril fights that aren't, I wouldn't say they're overly impressive, but they were pretty much a good indicator on what class he's in. He's in a different class than most of the guys in his division. And he possesses exceptional hand speed, does have the power, and it showed he has the chin. He is also a much bigger guy. So that, to me, poses more of a threat physically and health-wise. Just damage he can do. That is a much more dangerous fight than Dimitri Bivol. But like I said, still a good fight. Something I'm very okay with and something I'll definitely watch. It's not something I'm going to critique. Not something I'm going to just shit on and say, you know, that's a cherry pick or anything like that. Still a top quality opponent for Canelo. The second fight, though, I'm not really feeling it that much. I'm okay with it if Canelo was fighting three times this year and one of them was Triple G. Hey, I would have no problem with that. But if you're going to tell me that he's going to have two big events this year and it's going to be Bivol in Triple G, I'm just kind of like, eh. Okay, like not bad, definitely not bad, but Triple G is going to be 40 years old by the time this takes place. And I love Triple G. I've been to Triple G fight. I watch all of Triple G's fight. He's an exciting guy, exciting charisma, great in the ring, and 
he's all action. But the guy hasn't fought in what? A year and a half? By the time he fights Canelo, he would have fought one, and that's assuming he gets by Murado, one top quality opponent in the last three years. Where does he stand a chance against Canelo? This isn't the same guy that I saw with my own two eyes beat Canelo twice. This isn't that guy. This is a different guy. Like Richard Dwyer says, don't fall in love with a fighter who doesn't exist. Triple G of old doesn't exist anymore. Sorry, he doesn't. Is that fight going to make money? I believe it will. Will it make the money that I think they believe that it will? If you can stand, if you can bear with me. DAZN believes that is a massive, massive fight. Is it still financially? I really don't know. I think it is still a very good fight, uh, money-wise. But stylistically, you got Triple G would have to move up to a weight class he's never fought in. The inactivity and the age, I just don't know. Hopefully, it turns out to be great if it happens. Hopefully, it can live up to the first two. The first two were instant classics, so it's going to be a tall mountain to climb. But I do remember I was on the other side of the Wilder Fury third fight. A lot of people said, you know, this isn't needed. It's not necessary. Fury clearly won the first two, yada, yada, yada. Well, the third one was a classic and the best one of the three. So maybe that happens with Triple G Canelo. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel the more exciting route would have been Charlo, Benavidez, Better Biev, any one of those three. But I get it. This is a business. Maybe Canelo looks at Bivol and says, you know what? He's kind of similar to, to Caleb Plant. I can beat him the same way. Maybe he believes that. Maybe he looks at Triple G like I just did. The guy's 40 years old. Hasn't fought at a high level in a long time. Sign me up because it's going to be massive money. Hey, I don't blame him for taking that. Like I said, this isn't a horrible outcome. It's just not the best uh, on paper. It's not the most exciting. It doesn't fire me up like a Canelo Charlo fight would. Two massive personalities. Bivol, we don't know anything about the guy, personality-wise. I'm sorry. These American fighters sell more than these European guys. Just a simple fact. Charlo moves numbers. Bivol doesn't. So Canelo's going to be carrying this one on his back. Caleb Plant promotion was great. That was the lot, the biggest gate Canelo's ever had, I believe. Or a second to Floyd. One of those. One of the two. I believe it was probably second to Floyd. But it wasn't... Uh, Anything that the other guys, like the Yildrums of the world, the Caleb Smiths of the world, these European guys couldn't bring the gate. They couldn't bring the ticket sales. They couldn't bring the revenue like Caleb Plant did. Charlo would. Caleb Plant also smacked Canelo in his face, caused uh, a huge skirmish pretty much at the press conference. That also brought in more numbers, I'm sure. I'm sure more people gravitated toward that. So... Are these guys, the Bivol, the Triple G, are they going to be able to bring it promotional-wise? I don't know. I don't think so. That's something to look out for, too. I'm surprised. As much as the guaranteed money is, because I'm sure it's something, I believe it was $45 million per fight. As high as that is, I don't know if DAZN's going to get that on the back end. I don't really know. But we'll find out. Never know. Canelo is a huge name. Uh, usually it takes two to tango, but 
we'll see if Canelo can carry the Bivol promotion. If this takes place, like I said, this was reported as being close as ESPN likes to do. This is close to being done. So let me know when it actually is done. Okay? That's all I ask. But we'll see. In other news, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, both guys have signed. Their fight is officially made for April 30th. That is going to be a banger. That is for the 130-pound championship. Shakur Stevenson, undefeated. Oscar Valdez, undefeated. Oscar Valdez coming off a horrible performance against Robinson Consayo. Um, before that fight, Valdez tested positive for a banned substance. Claimed it was something that was in his herbal tea. I don't think anyone believes him. I don't think he believes himself. Said it wasn't his fault. It was in a tea. Whatever. Guy was still allowed to fight. Guy clearly got outboxed and was gifted the victory. And then made comments after like, you know, I've been through a lot this past week. <laughs> hey, people lose family members. People get into car accidents. People get sick. People get horrible news. They've been through a lot. When you test positive for a substance, still get allowed to fight and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, I don't know if you've been through a lot. I just think you got caught in what you were trying to do and got exposed. Speaking of exposed, I think that's exactly what happens in this fight in the ring. Valdez got exposed outside the ring. I think he gets completely exposed inside the ring against Shakur Stevenson. I don't see a way where Valdez is competitive. I'm obviously going to break this down when we get closer to the fight, stylistic-wise, but I don't see anything Valdez can do. Valdez is a guy who's been in a lot of wars. He's a guy who just came off his worst performance in a very long time. He's a guy who, to me, throws one major punch, and that's his left hook, albeit a great left hook. I don't see him landing that on Shakur Stevenson. Shakur is a student of the game. Shakur knows if I can sit here on my couch and tell you that Valdez is coming with the left hook, Shakur Stevenson knows it. Shakur Stevenson will be well-trained for it. Shakur is a guy who barely gets hit as it is. Never mind trying to land one big shot on him. I don't see Valdez landing that left hook. I see Shakur Stevenson picking him apart all night, using his size, his length, and his speed to his advantage. I don't see this fight being competitive. It is a big fight, though. It is the biggest fight of Shakur's career on paper. Valdez is still technically, officially an undefeated champion. Whether your eyes saw him get outboxed or not, his, his record says he's undefeated. And he still is the champion after sensationally knocking out Valdez. Excuse me, Valdez knocked out Burchell uh, earlier last year in a great war, which Valdez dominated. But we don't know how clean Valdez was at that time, considering he tested positive in his next fight. In my opinion, when guys test positive for a banned substance, I personally do not believe that that was the first time they used that substance. I don't believe the first time you use something, you get caught. That just sounds far-fetched to me. But hey, everyone has an opinion. That's just mine. Agree to disagree if you want. It is what it is. But I think Shakur Stevenson beats the brakes off Oscar Valdez. April 30th, also that night, is a huge women's, mat, women's fight. I don't generally talk about women's boxing that much because usually there isn't much to talk about. 
But this is going to be the biggest women's fight in history. On paper, it is a great matchup. It is Katie Taylor, the Irish sensation against the Puerto Rican Amanda Serrano, signed to Jake Paul. Ever since signing to Jake Paul, has gotten huge notoriety and the credit that she really deserved this whole time. Uh, people say Jake Paul is bad for boxing. This is something great for boxing. Sold out MSG pretty quickly. All the pre-sale tickets uh, broke records for literally any fight in Madison Square Garden. Broke the record. Most sales for any fight in a pre-sale in Madison Square Garden boxing history. Think about that for a second. This is a big fight. Both fights are going on the same night. Both, um, well, at least the DAZN side of things agreed not to go head-to-head with ESPN. So we should be able to watch these two great main events without running into each other. They should both come on at separate times that night, Saturday, April 30th. I believe it's April 30th. Let me double-check before I keep saying it. I've already said it twice. Is it April 30th? Yes, April 30th. That fight is at Madison Square Garden. I believe the Shakur fight is somewhere in Vegas. I think we're still waiting on a venue for that one. But it should be a good, a really good night. Two great matchups. Um, and then we're waiting on, we'll see what Canelo's going to do May 7th, whether it's Bivol, whether it's Charlo. I think those are the two front runners for this May. And then September, it's looking like we're going to get the Triple G Trilogy. Say that three times fast. Triple G Trilogy. Finally, these guys will meet. Like I said, not the same matchup we got in 2017, but hopefully it can be fun. In other news, we got Earl Spence Jr. Finally announced the fight against Ugas. We knew it was coming. That's also in April. That's going to take place at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys. That's a massive event. Talk about a guy that doesn't take tune-ups. Earl Spence, whether you're a fan of him or not, you have to appreciate and acknowledge that this guy is leading by example. He calls himself the big shark, the big fish. He does not believe in tune-ups. This guy got into a car accident where you watch it, you would assume everyone in the vehicle is dead. That would just be the first assumption when you see the video. Car does about nine turns in the air. It's insane. Spence goes through that, recovers, comes back, want him to have a tune-up now. I'm going to defend my title against former champion Danny Garcia. Easily beats Danny Garcia. Next fight, he's supposed to fight Manny Pacquiao. Um, Turns out in the pre-fight checkup, which took place a couple weeks before the fight, he was told by a doctor that he had a detached retina. The retina gets examined by two other doctors. He wanted a second and a third opinion. Both of them tell him the same thing. They say there is no way you can fight. This fight, this tear, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm not a doctor. I don't remember if it was detached or if it was torn. I believe detached is worse than torn. Correct me if I'm wrong. But he had one or the other. They said it could, the tear could be worse if you fight. He didn't have any symptoms, but inside they could see that there was a tear and believed the damage would be worse if he fought, especially a guy like Manny Pacquiao, guy that's coming in with just a blazing speed and a powerful left hand. If Earl Spence were to take shots from Manny Pacquiao with a tear in his retina already, who knows what would have happened? Who knows if, if he would have ever fought again? 
But anyway, goes through that, gets the surgery immediately, starts training immediately, and now we know he is fighting your Dennis Ugas. For those who don't know, Ugas replaced Spence against Pacquiao, and Ugas scored the upset victory over Manny Pacquiao. So Ugas picked up a championship in that fight, the championship held by Pacquiao. Earl Spence already holds two. Put them together. These guys are putting three belts on the line. Winner take all. There will only be one other championship in the division after this fight, and that championship will belong to one Terrence Crawford. So hopefully we're on the path to an undisputed welterweight champion, something we've been clamoring for for a very long time. It seems like we are on the right path. Jordanas Ugas, Earl Spence, is going to be a tremendous fight. If you don't know much about Ugas, I'm letting you know now. Please stop sleeping on this man. What more does he have to do to gain the respect? He's a guy I saw beat Sean Porter. He did not get the decision in that fight. It was a very close fight. But to me, he beat Sean Porter. Okay, after that, he beats Delorme. After that, he beats Omar Figueroa. After that, he beats Manny Pacquiao. This guy just continues to put on good performances. Win, lose, or draw, I expect Ugas to put on a great show against Spence. I'm picking Spence. I will be breaking this fight down when we get closer to it in full detail. But right now, early prediction, I'm taking Earl Spence. But Ugas is no joke. Ugas is a very, very good body puncher. Spence is probably the best body puncher in the sport. So expect a lot of body punching in this fight. A lot of close range action. Aggressor in this fight will probably be Ugas. Sounds crazy because Spence is known for his output. But I can see Ugas being the aggressor in this fight. He has long arms like Earl Spence. He covers up great. And he loves to fight on the inside. He loves to counter over a jab. Earl Spence is a huge jabber. This just has all the makings for a really, really fun fight. Props to both guys making this happen. These guys don't take tune-ups, especially Earl Spence. It don't matter what he goes through outside the ring. He comes back and he wants the biggest and best fights. Is he fighting Crawford next? No. But if you're complaining about this fight, you just don't know enough about boxing. You don't know enough about your Dennis Ugas. You don't know enough about the Paula tricks, if you will, going on here. Earl Spence has a game plan, and he's been saying it for a while. I'm going to collect all the belts. He was supposed to fight Pacquiao. Okay, Ugas steps in for pa for Spence. Ugas beats Pacquiao, so guess what? Now he wants Ugas. The night of that fight, he said, I want the winner, and he's actually doing it. So we can't get mad at a guy for doing exactly what he told us he was going to do. He wants the belts. So when he and Terrence Crawford, hopefully, come to the table and negotiate, Earl Spence is going to have three belts around his waist. Terrence Crawford's going to have one. That is a huge indicator on A side versus B side. You want to talk about how these guys are evenly matched? Yes, they are, but this is a business. Who's bringing more money in? Who's bringing more championships to the table? Who's bringing more notoriety? Who's bringing more fans? I believe the answer to all those questions at the end of the night will be Earl Spence Jr. He's going to be bringing the money the belts, the fans, that's it. That's the A-side. Terrence Crawford, he's now a free agent. Come together, make the fight happen. But in the meantime, another guy has entered 
the conversation. His name is Keith Thurman. Keith Thurman finally came back, fought Mario Barrios, had a great performance against Barrios, did not get the stoppage, but clearly dominated the fight, had one misstep in the fight, and that was a great body shot landed by Barrios. Uh, Thurman didn't go down, but was visibly hurt again, like he did against Manny Pacquiao, takes the mouthpiece out, puts it in his glove somehow and holds it, and pretty much to take a deeper breath, take um, cleaner and more efficient breaths without a mouthpiece in, and uh, sucks it up, survives the round, and that was really his only negative on the fight. But I thought Thurman boxed really smart. He landed some big shots, hurt Barrios bad, busted him up. If you saw Barrios in the post-fight, looked like his nose was going in nine different directions. That thing is completely destroyed, probably needed surgery on it. Uh, was also had multiple cuts in the fight around his eyes. So Thurman definitely put a beating on Barrios. It wasn't enough to stop him. I think the weight definitely helped Barrios. Barrios looked more sturdy in there, looked pretty strong in there, but didn't have as much speed as he had at the lighter weights. Didn't look much faster than Thurman. Maybe a little bit, but didn't look much faster than Thurman. Um, didn't pull the trigger as much as he probably could have. I think Thurman... Part of his game plan, he said, was to get Barrios to exchange more, and that just didn't happen because Barrios, I'm sure, felt the full welterweight power coming back to him and probably didn't want to get knocked out, honestly. But uh, really good performance by Thurman. Showed that he can go 12 rounds. Didn't look tired. Slowed down a little bit in around like 8, 9, 10, but definitely finished strong. Didn't look exhausted after 12. Looked like he could go another couple if he absolutely had to. And... Um, yeah, pretty much just showed that he's back in the division. He's back in the conversation. And hopefully he can get one of these big fights, whether it's the winner of Spence Ugas or what I'm hoping for is Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, like I said before, is a free agent. He clearly knows that Spence and Ugas are going to fight in a couple of months. So why not get in negotiations with Keith Thurman? Make that fight. That's a very big fight. Either guy could win that one. And the winner will come out looking even stronger than they do right now. So that's a very big fight in the welterweight division. Um, I think it would be great to have kind of a tournament of sorts if you get Spence Ugas, which is already made official. And then if you could possibly get Crawford Thurman, and then the winners meet up for Undisputed. That's what we need in boxing. That's what we want in boxing. And hopefully what happens. I mean, Thurman said, I want Spence Ugas winner, but I am open to a Terrence Crawford fight. He's like, let's negotiate. Last time they had negotiations, it wasn't much negotiating, according to Thurman. He said they came at him with a crazy offer, but it wasn't in writing, wasn't in, wasn't on a contract, wasn't official, and that was it. It was like they didn't want to negotiate. They didn't want to talk real numbers. They just threw out numbers, and there was nothing in writing, so he didn't take it seriously. He said the guys who got in writing was Sean Porter, and that's who got the fight. So hopefully, Terrence Crawford being a free agent, I know he's going through um, legal issues with Bob Arum suing, suing his former promoter, basically saying you didn't give me the big fights after all these years, claiming that Spence was ducking him. Now he's suing his promoter saying, yeah, he wasn't giving me the big fights. So which one is it? Was Spence ducking you? Or like we originally thought, was your promoter not doing what he should have done and not pressing for the big fight to be made? So really interesting stuff there for Crawford. Hopefully he can get through the, the lawsuit and make a fight with Thurman or with someone else before 
getting the winner of Spence Ugas. Uh, one more thought on the welterweight division. Boots Ennis made some headlines recently because of comments made by Sean Porter. Sean Porter said, Boots is overrated. I'm, I'm sick of hearing guys saying, Boots, Boots will just smash this guy. Boots will just smash that guy. Let's see him fight a former world champion and let him smash them before we just jump out and say it. Because Boots hasn't been tested is pretty much what he said. Boots came out and said, listen, now I'm overrated. If I'm so overrated, come out of retirement. Originally, I thought this was a perfect setup for them to have a fight for Porter to come out of retirement. Because on the Thurman broadcast, he said, I don't put it out of question coming out of retirement. But Keith Thurman's friend, and I'm totally going to butcher his name. I completely forgot his name. I can't think of his name. But if you watch the, the Porter Way podcast, if you've ever watched it, he is the blonde kid with the beard. I call him a kid. He's probably older than me. Guy with the beard. Uh, heavier set guy. Real good guy. He's also been on Chicken Talk multiple times, which is the space on Twitter boxing. Um, or boxing Twitter, I should say. Chicken Talk. Shout out to Lefty. Best space in the world. Great boxing talk goes on in that space. But yes, this guy has been on there multiple times. He's on the Porter podcast. He's a friend of Sean Porter. He stated that Sean Porter is definitely not coming back. He said he's got really bad hips, like really bad hips. Like doctors told him he may need a full hip replacement. So he said because of that fact, Sean Porter will not be talking. I mean, will not be talking, will not be fighting. And people kind of are mad at Porter. Like, oh, why are you talking now that you're retired? Listen, if Porter really is retired and he's really focusing on his podcast, that's his job. Like, that's like me sitting here critiquing fighters like I do. That's part of what I do. Like, that's what I do. I'm talking sports. So if Sean Porter is just a podcaster now, that I don't, I don't blame him. He's just talking sports. Hey, I think this guy's overrated. Whatever. That's his opinion. Everyone has an opinion. So if Sean Porter thinks Boots is overrated, I can see why. Boots gets hit. He does. But he's also, I talked about this with my friend Kevin, who's a big Boots fan. He does get hit a lot. But my friend made a good point. Boots knows who he's in there with. He's not in there with killer punchers. He's not in there with big-time punchers. Lipinets is an awesome fighter. Super entertaining fighter. Really fun fighter. Overachiever in the sport. Former kickboxer. But he's not a huge puncher. He's not getting Boots out of there. He's small for the division. Boots is big for the division. So yeah, Boots took some big shots against him. But Boots, in his mind, know that this guy can't get me out of there. My concern would be if he if he took those big shots against big punchers, against the elite guys in the division, against a Thurman, a Porter, um, a Spence, a Crawford, even a Danny Garcia. If he takes those big shots willingly, it's not going to be good for him. We don't know if he's going to change his style. I suspect he would because I've seen the guy's skills. He does have defensive skills, very good ones, in fact. But he is a dog. He likes to go out there and go mano a mano, see who's got the bigger balls, if you will, see who's willing to dig deep. And he believes his firepower is much bigger than anything you can throw at him. So for that standpoint, if, if Porter's looking at it like that, like, yeah, this guy's taking some unnecessary shots. He hasn't fought the best competition yet. To me, he's overrated because a lot of guys are saying 
that they take boots over anybody in the division based on eye test. And I can't say that I blame anyone because this guy is tremendous. This guy doesn't fill you out. He just comes in there looking for the kill instantly. Gotta love seeing it. Would I favor him over Spence and Crawford? Gun to my head, probably not. But I would not be shocked if he beat them. I definitely wouldn't be. This dude has got the goods. He does. I don't care what Sean Porter says. Uh, Jerron Ennis has got the goods. But we just need to see him in there with a bigger guy, with a bigger fighter. Not bigger in stature. I mean, bigger in stature and physically bigger. He's fighting a lot of smaller welterweights. Let's see him fight a full-blown welterweight, a top 15 guy. Um, and as much as I love Boots, people are calling for him to fight Thurman and stuff like that. Listen, Thurman is at a point in his career where he wants to become champion again. Boots doesn't have a championship. and Boots doesn't bring in money either. Not yet. He doesn't. He doesn't bring that big money. He doesn't bring that big payday. He is not even headlining Showtime yet. He is supposed to be fighting again in April. He was going to be on the Lubin versus Fundora, which is a fantastic fight. Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fundora, Fundora um, the Towering Inferno. If you don't know who that is, he's like 6'5", 6'6", fights at 154. He's a complete freak, but he's also a great fighter. Erickson Lubin, power puncher, very promising young fighter. Uh, had one minor setback early in his career, got knocked out one punch by Charlo. Has bounced back since. So if they... Well, excuse me, not if they. When they match up, Fondora, Lubin is going to be a great fight. Boots is going to be on the undercard of that of that card. So, like I'm saying, Boots isn't even headlining yet. Let's, let's take it easy. He needs to build up his brand more, and he also needs to have better fights. Those two things come simultaneously. Those two things will come together. Once he has the bigger fights, I believe the notoriety, the popularity, the money, all come with that. Someone got to get in the ring with him too, though. It's not all his fault. Uh, we don't know who's been ducking or dodging, but we know that Spence, Crawford, and Thurman most likely are in no rush to fight him because what is there to gain by fighting him? There's not money. There's not a belt. This is a business. We got to keep reminding ourselves of that. Um, the business side isn't always the most fun side, but it is the reality. This is prize fighting. There's a process to this. Guy's going to get built up properly. Boots will get there. Trust me, he'll get there. That's all I have for you guys this week. I'm out. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Give me that five-star review. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend's friend about a friend who likes boxing. I'm out.